clubhouse. What are you reading? The solace of open spaces. To be tough is to be fragile. To be tender is to be truly fierce. True solace is finding none, which is to say it's everywhere. Yeah. Not sure I believe that. That's true, Beth. Can't be found. Lord knows I've looked. This is Steph. This is Sheila. Welcome to Pod Clubhouse's coverage of Yellowstone Season 4. This is Episode 5 today. That is called Under a Blanket of Red. So, Episode 5? Yeah. Does this mean we're halfway through the season? No, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to be halfway through. I want more. More Yellowstone. I know. This is like the greedy part of us where it's just like, how are we possibly halfway through? I mean, a lot has happened, but we still don't have a lot on necessarily like the hit who why i mean we have some more on it but Mm -hmm. i definitely feel like the body count is too low for where (laughs) i thought we would be at this point in the revenge realm well we always need more yellowstone yeah all about it i think it's just now one of those shows that's on like continual reruns on tv Oh, they were diving deep mm-hmm. into the marathons this long weekend, uh, yes. starting at uh, Thanksgiving. So people were you know, cooking up their bird and watching cattle battle. and, and stuff. <laughs> Well, I logged into Twitter and it was the Yellowstone TV account was just like tweeting past things. And now we get to see this and now we get to see that. And I was like, wait, oh, they must be playing all the other yeah. episodes back again. Right. That, it's like, let's go back to, you know, when Casey rescues Tate. Be like, oh, wait, that was a long time time ago yeah that was a long we've lived a lot of life since we've then. lived a lot of yellowstone life since then mm-hmm. indeed but yeah this episode i i got some of the action that i wanted you know i've been been wanting a little bit mm-hmm. of that as as we've kind of gone through i watched the screener before you did and i texted yeah. into our group going just oh my god when i finished <laughs> watching with as many vowels and consonants stretched yes. out as i possibly could just watching the last what five minutes or so of this yeah so good for us for being good tv watchers and mm-hmm. keeping an eye out on christina right i guess, I guess I we don't. can say it because i mean like everybody's yeah. tuning in has listened i just feel validated that yes. like i was the one who was like i'm pretty sure she's having a kid and everybody was like no she just said that so she wouldn't get killed and that was and, my stance i was like no she probably was, lied just to not be the next you know body which count made for the sense Duttons. Yeah, that made sense to me, too. But I was like, come on, where's the baby? Like, it's been long enough. Didn't she have the baby? Where'd the baby go? And everyone else is like, no, there's no baby. And so I, have to, I feel yes. validated so you that. Need a, you need a I, big I, round of applause for being a very yeah. good TV watcher and, you know, for calling calling out the fact that they wouldn't have put it in there if it wasn't significant somehow. And also, I almost had like a little bit of a coronary because like I'm driving back from my Thanksgiving family holiday yesterday, which say we're recording this on Saturday before the, the episode airs tomorrow. Yeah. And somebody on the Facebook group said like, whatever happened to Christina and the baby? Is she no involved way. somehow? And I'm like, Ooh! I'm like, 
<laughs> they said that? I didn't see it. I'm like, oh I didn't like gosh. drunkenly tweet something. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my like, God. I haven't been that toasted. So whoever that person is, it definitely gets like a big shout out for definitely hitting the mark of, yeah. of the time, you know, that this was definitely coming back around again. And, you know, you and I, are, we've been doing this long enough to know that everything in the show happens for a reason. So mm-hmm. this coming back around, I was just like, oh my God, like Steph is so on the nose here. I'd be like, I knew, I knew it. I was like, damn, I was like, I didn't think she was actually <laughs> pregnant, but um, it, this just like created such an explosion of questions in my mind. I I'm know. Sure the same for you. Like, I was like, I can't wait to talk to you about that. I know, but, but I want to talk about that at the end. Yeah, so I, now. <laughs> yeah, but I just wanted to say that teaser. I was right. Yes, you were. And I finally, finally got something right. <laughs> but I mean, dang, so, like they went like a whole season and a half. Oh, a long time. Without ever mentioning her name. Yeah. That's good on good on you for, for yeah. not letting that torch die because um, she had more to say on the subject. So who do we want to start with today? I think we should check in with Monica and Tate and Casey on the reservation. Definitely Monica looked a lot more peaceful. She seemed better. It was good to see her and Casey kind of in a familiar banter back and forth. You know, they seem to be talking regularly. <laughs> so yes. uh, that was really good to see. The dynamic between them has really shifted. Seems like, yeah. She was like leaning up against him and saying that, you know, she was feeling good in her soul. There was just a close closeness mm-hmm. that wasn't evident at the ranch yeah. um, especially not this season because of just the trauma that they've been going through but it just seems like this is the food for her soul that she needed and she's seeing Tate get better which mm-hmm. I think is really the important part about why they left I, uh, yeah of course I thought it was interesting that they were doing like a sweat lodge ceremony with him and that Rainwater mentioned he needed a few more I thought, okay. And then he said, Mo will take him to the mountain. I was like, ooh, what does that mean? Yeah, I don't I don't know what that entails, <laughs> but that sounds like... And then he will be a warrior. I it was just like, sounds oh. very cathartic is really what, what I don't this know. feels like to me. It feels like um, this is the, the therapy adjacent, right? So this is, you know, physically sweating your body, physically excising your demons. But I was like, wait, wait, we've seen the sweat lodge before. Mm-hmm. And I actually went back to the episode. It was season one, episode two, Kill the Messenger, mm-hmm. uh, where... Rainwater and Casey engage in the ritual to cleanse the evil off of them. And that's what Rainwater says. Casey had just gone through the explosion of the trailer and he killed the man who was in there as a mercy killing. Uh But right before that was, you know, the ensuing the cattle battle that had, you know, started and the killing of Robert Long, the killing of Lee Dutton. Um, So it was just a long process to get these two to talk and to cleanse the ills that ailed them kind of thing. Yeah. But I liked the conversation that they had and it felt relevant to this discussion or felt relevant to this scene in today's episode because they're talking about their fathers and how they don't get to choose their fathers. Rainwater asked about the brand and you know, doesn't think that Casey would really abandon his father because you don't really kind of change your brand, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But he also talks about how all men are bad, but there are those that try to be good. I feel like this is a way to bring it back to present day. Like, 
is Tate just the next generation of Dutton going to do things the same or is Casey really trying to do things differently? And is this the way that he's going to get that end result, that that Tate will be different, that like the, the trauma cycle stops with Casey, that he's going to do things differently, allow Tate to be a better person than he is. And perhaps using the sweat lodge and perhaps using some, using some of the Native American remedies might be a way for him to basically have his son not become the same product that he is. What do you think about that? You think that that's where Casey's mindset is? Yeah, I think that he's okay. being reminded of his own experience in the sweat lodge. Remember, because mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, like right after that, he's he's left the reservation. He's heading back to the ranch and he sees the wolf on the road and the wolf gets killed. Uh-huh. Right. So we were trying to like figure out like what the, the propheticness of that was. So I was just like trying to connect the sweat lodge here because the conversation around that all men are bad notion, like that's kind of stuck out to me. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. what I think Casey's trying to to change is that like not all men are bad. Remember, like when he was telling Walker yeah. that you yeah, know, yeah, he's yeah. going to do things differently. So there's just a lot of things that were going into this that was kind of swirling around in my head that like this is Casey's attempt to do better than his father. Well, and Tate is different because he's not a product of the Dutton Ranch. You know, I just like that whole conversation about seeing that Tate will see himself differently, too. He shouldn't feel guilty for protecting his family. He should feel strong, you know. So I thought that that part of the conversation was important for Tate, too, that he would see himself differently and his actions differently. So and I think that that's like for Monica, too, like you know, we were talking about how she maybe saw that side of Tate or was frightened by the fact that he just killed that man. But Rainwater was sort of reminding her that, like, that's what a warrior would do, like, to protect and to fight for what's right. And he called her a warrior, too. What does that do to Monica? She's yeah. a warrior. Yeah. His dad's a warrior. Does Tate have any hope of not becoming the same type of person? that she fears john right well is a warrior a good thing or a bad thing do you know what i mean like a warrior is a strong person it depends on how she's interpreting it in the way that rainwater is trying to frame it that he's saying that a warrior is a good person like you just said like someone who Mm -hmm. stands up for his family someone who stands up to injustice and i just think monica is going to panic and and not really know what to do with the fact that she's basically created a a warrior like that he didn't hesitate when there was an intruder to run to the gun cabinet and do the thing that Casey would have done like we had you Mm -hmm. know dissected that scene and we said that there was literally no time for him to think that that's what he just did yeah that's his instinct his instinct exactly and now she's got the same spirit saying that I'm just sorry I didn't kill him first what is she going to do now with this information that she thinks in her mind up until this point that she's, I don't want to say this the way it's going to come out, but like better <laughs> than the Duttons, right? She, that yeah. she, she has a more she peaceful, she's different. Yeah. yeah, like a more peaceful soul. But what we saw last season, she was trying to lure out these people who were targeting Native American women and essentially, you know, was the the roadmap to this man getting his head blown off. So what is she going to like? It's just it's just making me worry that she's going to enter some sort of like panic mode. And I don't know. I don't know what the next step would be for her, because if she's learning about herself, that she, too, is a warrior and she's trying to protect Tate from this warrior clan of the Duttons. What you know, what's the next step for her? Mo is from a warrior tribe. 
Well, Mo and Rainwater had to be there because they're the tribe leaders, and I, that's yeah. what I was writing about. So they had to be there. But when he said that Mo's going to take him to the mountain, and then he'll come back a warrior, so like she, that's she's facilitating that now as well. So it seemed like more of a positive view on it at this point, you know. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, for yeah. sure. It's almost like he needs the maturity now to catch up to this warrior instinct that he has. Like, he needs the, the, the smarts, mm-hmm. the reasoning skills to catch up so that he knows how to make these choices. And I just go back to the first sweat lodge that we saw that all men are bad, but there are those that try to be good. So, like, the installation of how to be a good man yeah, um, exactly. needs to catch up to the, the skills warrior that he's instinct. Got. Yeah, the instinct the skills. <laughs> like, he's got the skills as well. Yeah. You you know, I'm just going to go back to the rattlesnake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Killing the rattlesnake with his boot. Like this kid is, he's fierce. Yeah. I don't know. It's just going to be interesting to see where Monica takes this information. I see what you're saying. I had a lot of time to think about this in the car yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm then I guess what, well, I guess Casey would be probably be the next logical person to talk about like kind of what happens to him. Casey goes to work from there. He does. does seem, and he comes up on this protest, which seems bizarre. Why is there a protest right there at, at that location? Well, I have a theory. For from, his office. Yeah, so I have a theory. So based on when John comes on the scene later, we can, you know, we'll talk about that when that happens. But just because you asked the question now, it was something that I noticed and I was like, oh, okay. So I think that because John had mentioned that it it didn't seem random. Yes, exactly. You know, that this protest turned up at their doorstep. And I feel that the attention that the Duttons have gotten over the, the cumulative course of these seasons has probably put Montana, the Livestock Commission, on these people's radar. I don't know exactly okay, what group yeah. they were from, but I feel that, that that would be the link. Because if he's saying it's not random, then because we did have the cattle battle was on whatever yeah, version was on of the news, news yeah. right? The governor was saying how she wanted to keep all of this stuff out of the news, the militia, all of that heat it's probably gotten on these people's radar and then like that was the next stop on their protest train okay yeah that's my theory sure (laughs) why not did you know who that is piper parabo i remember her from like coyote ugly coyote ugly yes back in the day i was like hey it's piper so this has not actually popped up yet on her IMDb page. So I don't know how really? that's possible. Yeah, because there was an article. I remember seeing an article back in the early autumn when they kept, I think when they moved the next premiere date. Remember it was supposed yeah. to premiere in August and then they didn't have yes. a date. So sometime, I feel like it was around September-ish, I saw an article and she was going to be in it. And it, it was basically this episode. So I don't know how many episodes she's going to be in, but I get the feeling she's here for at least one or two more. Yeah, I would think so. So yeah, John shows up. Okay, we to the protest back up for a second because I, the yeah. funniest moment of this episode was when. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I know I always come back to him and I harp on him and I'm very cynical against him. But Officer Steve Hendon, I know he's back again. And he's back again. I, I mean, so now rocks were thrown at Casey. 
yeah. a protester actually grabs Casey and like Casey's got him, takes him to the ground. And this one protester whacks Casey on the back with a cardboard sign. And that is the person that Steve Hendon tackles to the ground and points a gun in her face and all the rest of it. And Casey's like, just don't shoot anyone today. Like, yeah, right. That's I mean, I was rolling. I was like, he's like, don't shoot anyone. Right. For God's sake, don't shoot anybody. And it was just typical Steve Hendon. And I, I find yeah. him now just like comic relief. I feel like he's he needs to be told to be reminded, like, don't kill anyone today. I appreciate that little bit of comic relief in the middle of this very serious episode because there was there's a lot going on. Yeah. So before I interrupted you, you were going to start off by saying <laughs> that um, that. John showed up to the protest. And then the other funny line from this episode was what he said. And we're going to get our explicit rating because of this next line. Mm-hmm. If I spent a week thinking how to fuck up my day, I couldn't come up with this one. <laughs> that did make me laugh. I was like, yeah, that's true. That's I wouldn't have thought of this line. up either. So, I mean, like, I feel oh like this gosh. is like a, a, a back to season one, like John Barb. He's been he's been a little subdued. Yeah. But I, I feel like, you know, he's getting some of the old wherewithal about him back in the livestock commissioner days. Yeah. John and Summer have this conversation. She's in handcuffs. And I thought for the type of man that he is, and I'm not trying to say that he's not intelligent. That's not what I'm saying at all. But he doesn't seem like the person who would be enlightened about say veganism for instance (laughs) and i like i'm not trying to be rude by saying that but i'm just he knows cattle he knows how to like raise his land and make money from living off the land right so Mm -hmm. using livestock and that's how he makes his living and now cattle um sorry not cattle now with horses he's got definitely like one track for his revenue whereas he comes at summer from a, a standpoint I wasn't expecting. Yeah. When he's talking about like how vegetables, even and he's he's mocking what she eats, like quinoa and yeah. sorghum or whatever the hell you eat. Um, <laughs> I just thought this was a very enlightened stance to take that even your quote unquote earth friendly way of eating yeah. still kills. And he lists off snakes, mice, worms, voles, moles. Right. Mm-hmm. And this this question that he has, how cute does the animal have to be in order for, to care for you to, if care, it dies to yeah. feed you? That position, I was just like impressed. I was impressed that that was where he came from. That was the stance that he took. That's a good word for it. Like it did it stand out to me that that's how he responded to her and that, you know, he's right when you think about it. Like all of these, if you want to call them processes, we go through to get our food, whether it's vegetables or or meat like it all has its price you know in terms of like the environment or the soil or the air or whatever you know and we have to truck that food to certain places and it's just uh you know you you can vegetables have to be if they can't get to a place fast they have to be frozen right so that's Mm -hmm. another polluting process I liked that this gave her a moment's pause too because she didn't have a quick retort either she was just had her practiced lines of you know the mass murder of animals and the objective yeah the things that she's there things. yeah so the yeah. toxic masculinity there's a lot of buzzwords being dropped yeah here. but I just I really liked this interaction between these two and I didn't see really where that was going until it got to somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah so when he said to Beth that he was like fighting his conscience and I was thinking like what's he got to fight his conscience about so then when he showed up to bail summer out, i was like oh okay like why does he care and 
you know, I think it's that he does. It's interesting that he recognizes that like fight in her. Like, I think he's said this before to people that I don't necessarily appreciate your approach, but I understand your drive and your passion and like why you care. I was thinking, though, his offer to tour the ranch was a little bit of, like, information gathering. Like, why do I need to worry about you as, like, someone who's going to mess up more than my day or, you know. Right. Like, or are, you where's, a, are you a new front of an enemy? Yes. Right. Exactly. I've already got market equity. Like, who sent you kind and of thing? like, you know, rainwater's been quiet for a bit, but, you know. Yeah. We still got chess to play. <laughs> That's what we were told the last time. Um, we still got chess to play between us. That's really good. I I didn't necessarily think about the information gathering part. I thought he saw like this, this you know, we talk about this kinder, gentler John that we've been seeing mm-hmm. kind of evolve, that he felt bad about pressing charges. He like he pressed charges to make an example of them so that more people don't come, you know, raining right. down on the livestock office. But I was also like, is he also taking Beth's advice and maybe getting a girlfriend? Um, no. No, you don't think so? No. I thought there was definitely some flirting going on between these no. two. <laughs> uh, maybe, but I mean, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just I imagining mean, we'll how that would see. go a cattle rancher, the largest ranch in the United States, yeah. and vegan. <laughs> Didn't really see how they could kind of meet in the middle, but, you know. No, probably not. I mean, I guess I could meet in the middle one time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Beth's advice is still fresh in my mind because it just right, shows no, like okay, his yeah, cold yeah. reaction to it. No, but. I didn't think that. I thought he was just trying to figure out how big of a problem she was going to be by playing nice and like, let me just get to know you. I don't know. We'll see, Sheila. You might be right. Uh, I don't know. But I did <laughs> want to talk about this last conversation that they have when she agrees to go with him. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how the planet's no longer going to tolerate us at some point. Were you surprised that they had the same thought process, that basically that they arrived at the same conclusion from their vastly different standpoints? Not really. It didn't surprise me that he said that, but I, I hadn't thought about like how he would arrive to that statement from his lifestyle. But I mean, like, he is a smart person and I think he does recognize how the world is changing around him and the ranch and how all of these things are evolving and kind of not working as well as they used to. So I don't know, maybe he's recognized that like this isn't going to last forever. So I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that we don't get a lot of information from John directly. Like we don't get yeah. a lot of insight yeah. into like his inner workings or his inner thoughts because he just he's a kind of a one sentence guy who doesn't feel comfortable opening up and sharing a lot of these things so for me it was just like okay good like they're giving john depth again like every once in a while Mm -hmm. like they'll come back to him and he'll drop these truth bombs so i i just like the fact that he is enlightened enough to be able to like go head to head with someone whose job it is to be a protester against the industrialized animal industry or the industrial animalized complex whatever she called it mm-hmm. and also then to have this this mindset that if we don't change the way that we're living the way that they were doing things that the earth is going to shed us like dead skin and it's going to be yeah. our fault i just really liked the evolution of john again like I, I feel like we we get like one of these really deep john episodes like every <laughs> every season or so this episode in particular, when we talk about him, yeah. the, like the beginning part, there was a lot going on here. Well, we're missing that with him and Tate. Like we used to get his, That's where we got. Yeah. Yeah. His like sensitive side or his thoughtful side. Yeah, his introspective side. 
So, yeah, I think it is interesting to see him have these conversations with other people because you don't see we haven't seen that before. But yet he doesn't feel comfortable saying these types of things to Casey or to Beth, really. Definitely not Rip. So it's, no, it's not a Rip. stranger here. It's been Tate before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just interesting that he doesn't feel that he can open up to the people who needs to hear it the most, I think. It's always the hardest, right? Yeah. It's easier to talk to the stranger on the airplane. Yeah, exactly. You'll never see again. The stranger that you bailed out. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Can we talk about this opening scene then? I guess we kind of... Yeah, so let's talk about John and Beth. Okay, I'm just going to say, that was... I just thought it was super creepy what, her for her to be there? sitting in yeah. his bedroom. Like, I'm sorry. If I'm going to go talk to my dad, I'm going to knock on the door and be like, hey, dad, you got a minute? Can I talk to you? Like, yeah, I'm not going to sneak in while he's taking a shower. No. Mm-mm. So, like, what did, you, what did you think was going to happen? He's going to walk out of right. his own room? His like, towel, right. oh, my gosh. <laughs> Beth. She yeah. is taking this, like, BFF thing a little too far. Yeah. <laughs> We need to have some boundaries. Yes, definitely. So this whole opening scene, I was just distraught for him because it was so mm-hmm. I know, sad. so sad. Walking through empty rooms. I mean, he had a big drink that he poured himself. Yeah. When he's undressing for the shower, we can see all of the bullet holes, the big scar yes. from that ruptured ulcer that he had way back when. He's moving back into the master bedroom now that Casey left. Mm-hmm. with that bag i was like at first i was like what's the bag for and i was like oh he's moving back into his yes room. to his room Ugh. and he just All has alone. this look of just like abandonment mm-hmm. like on his face and then beth is there and then beth is there and so she's reading this book so this book i was like okay this is like too big of a clue to be left on the table like and just begging to be read so i did some research because that's what i (laughs) right so i just found it interesting that she's quoting this book and john is able to quote the exact passage yeah that she's reading it might be at the top of the episode i don't know yet but to be tough is to be fragile to be tender is to be truly fierce true solace is finding none which is to say it's everywhere and that's the line that he finishes mm-hmm. well we could talk about like what it means afterwards but so i did some of this research into this book and it was written in 1985 um it's a collection of essays by this author gretel ehrlich about her experiences living and working in wyoming following the sudden death of her partner in the late 1970s she was there on assignment when this tragedy occurred and she just stayed and stayed. And this book is a collection of her writings about the wide open spaces, the West, the prairie, and the people that she encountered. Okay. So after doing the research on the book, like the reason that I'm going here is that I feel like it's really aligned to John's philosophy on ranching and by extension, his philosophy on life or his thinking about life. So like some of the things that I found were she was working at first with this man named John, um, a sheep man. So this is what, <laughs> this is what it says in the book. Um, a sheep man who put her to work, extended the extended hours of it, and she says it woke her up. And this is the quote. The arid country was a clean slate. Its absolute indifference steadied me. A person's life is not a series of dramatic events for which he or she is applauded or exiled, but a slow accumulation of days, seasons, years, fleshed out by the generational weight of one's family and anchored by a land-bound sense of place. How's that for, like, summing up 
John's right. philosophy on not giving up the ranch, generational yeah. weight of one's family, and anchored by a landbound sense of place. And then also, she talks about the Western man, right? Mm-hmm. So the solitude in which Westerners live makes them quiet. Sentence structure is shortened, descriptive words are dropped, even verbs. What's behind is this laconic style is shyness. There's no vocabulary for the subject of feelings. Wow. Yeah. The silence is profound. Instead of talking, we seem to share one eye. Keenly observed, the world is transformed. The landscape is engorged with detail. Every movement on its chillingly sharp. The air between people is changed. Days unfold, bathed in their own music. Nights become hallucinatory, dreams prescient. I just loved, like, I'm going to go find this book and read say, it because it's yeah. very descriptive. It's only like 130 pages. Uh-huh. But she talks about, like, you know, if a Western man is, like, strong and silent, quote unquote, it's because there's probably no one to talk to. Yeah. There was just so much in here. I mean, I could have gone on, but I mean, that was Yeah, I mean, this is like the entire scene as like, they're talking about this, like, solace and loneliness and... Did Taylor you know, last... Sheridan, like, read this book and then dream I'm sure. up Yellowstone and that oh. night? <laughs> because I just feel like there's so many corollaries. Like, the, the strong, silent man, right? Mm-hmm. It's because nobody to talk to. That's Rip. Yeah. Right. That there's and no John, one, and really. John to an extent, and then just the short sentences. It was just very, very interesting when I started diving into this. And then I thought, like, well, why is Beth picking this up? And I thought maybe this might be her way of trying to be a peaceful person because she had this realization that she's not last episode, yeah. or maybe just trying to understand John a little bit better because she keeps referring to the branch as the Alamo. Mm-hmm. And the Alamo, we all know that that didn't end very well. Right. So maybe she's trying to change her mindset. I was picking up on the part of their conversation about solace and finding like peace. And like we said last episode, they talked about how they didn't have peace and this isn't a peaceful place and they're not peaceful, peaceful people. people. So maybe she was saying to him, like, she hasn't found that. And then he didn't really have an answer on how to find it. He just said he, she said how, and he kind of basically said he just sleeps through the lonely or ignores it or whatever. So I thought, okay, well, both of them feel this and understand this. Like they can't find that solace and peace and rest. But yeah, it's like maybe that's just like a better understanding of like who John is. I like when he told her that it has to be discovered that he's looked everywhere so like it's not a thing that you can find like you just have to discover it within yourself and he says he's like i'm lonely like yeah and he surrenders to it he tries to sleep through it but he walked in here and he found her and then his heart is full so for him she's solace right so that's Mm -hmm. i thought that was a really touching moment between these two i just love love that i know and he told her that he can't tolerate the world without her and then, of course, she had some, like, smart-ass comments. Yeah, could be her and the cockroaches. <laughs> like yeah. Oh, my gosh. He laughs. Oh, like, he's just like, okay, good night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, he's just geez. like, yep, and, like, you know, we had this moment, and you bested it up. <laughs> and, yep, you bested it up. Hey, that's a good word. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I coined something here. Trademark. Yeah. <laughs> Timestamp. What is that? There's another show where they were like, did you just use my name as a verb? Like, yes. <laughs> I can't oh remember God, what show that amazing. was. But yeah, she did Beth it up. But that was a really touching moment for them. And it was good to see, again, that side of John. I think, you know, she's just worried about him, I think. And I thought it was interesting that she actually came to check on him versus like in passing, like saying some sort of like quippy comment or, you right. know. 
Like she actually came and was like, hey, I'm going to stay here tonight because this house is really big and creepy. Right. <laughs> this, that scene for me just highlighted how close they are as a family, but how lonely they are as people. Mm-hmm. It made me sad, but I was also happy that John was able to show her some emotional vulnerability as well. And then, she, like I said, she had Beth equipped and off we went. Yeah. I like, too, how in the morning at the breakfast table, John did push her for answers. Because I think a lot of times she likes to give these open-ended answers and just very vague. And like she said, ask for forgiveness, not permission. And I say that don't mind. And he life. was like, I do mind. Like, tell me what you're doing. So I, I thought that was good. Like, he seems to sort of give in to her a lot in these conversations of, I, know, I don't know what that means, but okay. And she walks off. And he was like, yeah, no, tell me what you're doing and why this helps me. So I don't know why I liked seeing him sort of stand up to her a little. little. Yeah, Yeah. push back. But I did. And it's I don't know why I liked it, but I did. So I kind of always knew that I was a little more Beth Dutton than maybe anyone else. I say Mm -hmm. that that sentence a lot that she says, I'd rather ask forgiveness than permission. Mm -hmm. I say that a lot in my life. (laughs) I was like, oh no, what does this mean about me? (laughs) So this conversation with John and Beth about market equities. I don't think she's going to run it into the ground. I feel like that's an unrealistic expectation for her. Not that she can't do it, but that Caroline is going to be more on top of Beth than Bob They know that she's a rat and they know that she's, Yeah, like she's not going to get away with anything. She's like a double agent. They're not going to let her have any rope to hang anybody with. Right. I thought that that was kind of like a unrealistic expectation for Beth to say that, like, oh, I'll just work there so I can run it into the ground. I'm thinking, no, you're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. Right, you have a in this sliver, scenario. Right, you just yeah. have a sliver of their overall enterprise. So really, the only thing she can gain from working there is, like Caroline said, is to to shift their focus to a different piece of land, right? Right. To find shift me their something div- better. yeah, find <laughs> me something better. So I think that's her only plan of attack in this job. What's her name? Caroline Warner. Warner, yeah. Warner, yeah. She's too savvy for to let Beth get away with that. Right. And just from our conversation last week about the, the interaction between Caroline and Beth, we're like, this was the showdown. This was like the head-to-head mm-hmm. that, you know, we didn't get with Willa last season. We didn't get with Angela Blue Thunder. Um, yeah. This isn't going to happen that yeah, way. She's for... kind of met her equal in terms of cunning, in terms of smarts. But I'm sure that Beth has got some little ace up her sleeve that yeah, she's going to throw <laughs> out at the very last minute. Um, maybe it's a snake in a box. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But <laughs> it's going to be something and it's going to be very Bethy. <laughs> she's going to Beth it up. She's going to Beth it up. I like that now. I like that. I know. Now I'm going to say that all the time. <laughs> I guess moving on to Beth. Last episode, she kind of made a joke out of this, like, having weddings at the barn kind of thing. Yes. But now this is like a real revenue stream, and they're knocking New York as a result. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I I guess just as a functional question, just to throw this out to you for funsies, where exactly are they going to hold a 300-person wedding for a bunch of New Yorkers? And where are they going to stay? Yeah, where are they going to stay? That's the question. They're going to put. I up, guess Dan mm, Jenkins Resort is still there. I don't know. We haven't yeah. seen much about it, but maybe they could spruce it up by before July twenty eighth. Somebody needs to. But there is. I mean, if people, if you want a ranch wedding, 
I could see the you want the hayride and the barbecue. I'm gonna say I've never seen those bunkhouse boys the horseback do the riding. I've seen them do no, the but rides, but hayrides. I guess they could stumble it together. I mean, you can do it. Yeah, it's not hard. So I guess this is like a newer and improved revenue stream because, like, I I guess she's giving into the fact that the airport is coming. So she's also like side marketing the ranch another way. Mm-hmm. But I, I took that completely as an off-the-cuff statement last episode. I didn't really think that she was setting something up like in stone with people yeah. in deposits. And, I didn't either. And then I just... And hayrides. And hayrides and, you know, doubling the price, you know, for the ranch experience and like taking advantage of these poor New Yorkers. <laughs> but yeah. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine the overall cost of some of these weddings. <laughs> yeah, so I was just surprised that this actually went on to become like a, a planned revenue a plan. stream. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that she's got, you know, people in the pipeline that she's planning yeah. to take full advantage of. As she's driving this seven, I didn't realize she was driving seven Salt Lake, hours. Salt Lake City. Because when she left John, I was like, okay, if that was seven it's hours morning. ago, like it's like three in the afternoon. That's what I was saying. I did the math. I was like, okay, it's like three or four in the afternoon. Okay. I did too. I was like, okay. So, of course, she has to drive all the way to see Bob. No, she's not going to, like, A, no. leave this to anyone else to do. And B, she's not going to do this over Zoom. No. This is definitely an in-person, you know, you're not breaking up with me over text conversation. No. And I love the, like, secretary. She's like, ma'am, ma'am, excuse me, ma'am. Like, the way she was saying I was dying laughing. Ma'am. Yeah, they I was didn't like, really write her a strong character there. <laughs> so uh, was Bob surprised that this came his way? I think he tries really hard to keep a good poker face, but can't quite hold it. Same with the meeting that they had at the clubhouse kind of mm-hmm. thing. And he just tried to look firm in his face, but had like slight shock on his face. Same thing here. Like he's like, oh, crap. But he tried real hard not to show it. And uh, I think that's just good acting because that's how exactly how you would want to react. Like, don't show your reaction to this. Right. But there was like a a micro expression of like a twitch in his eyebrow. Yes. Like, oh, God. But this was Beth. Like, we talk about her like toying with her food. Yes. This is, you know, I have no salary. I have no stock options. I don't even have. Like, imagine why I would do this, Bob. Why, Bob? Yeah, it's like, here's enough rope, hang yourself with it, and now get the fuck out. <laughs> oh my gosh. She got, like, the controlling stake in that company, and that gives her the controlling of all that land, too, right? Because yes. all that land was bought under Schwartz and Meyer. Right, it was bought under Schwartz and Meyer, but she doctored the fine print, right, so that she mm-hmm. still had that the that Schwartz and Meyer, even though they owned it, they were a minority owner, but yeah. now... If Schwartzmeyer comes under her, she can just transfer yeah. all that out. So it's it's Dutton standalone right now. Yeah, and she has now control over all of Schwartzmeyer, and, and she told him like basically Salt Lake, you're closing up shop, <laughs> moving to Montana, moving to Montana. I just love the uh, when the she opened up the door when Beth opened up the door after firing Bob. <laughs> And she tells the, the nosy little receptionist, nosy little bitch that she's fired too. I don't know. It was just the look of disdain on her face. Like, it's like, oh, I forgot about you. You're fired too. You're fired too. Is Beth done with Bob? 
Yes. I don't know, because she said that she wants to, like, bankrupt his grandchildren. Firing him, he still gets his golden parachute, I'm sure. I'm sure he's still, I'm sure he's still a very rich man walking in. I don't know. I just feel like she's going to go back and she's going to figure out some way. She probably has some dirt on him from way back when, from all the corporate rating that she's done, that she's going to go back and she's going to toy with her food a little more. She's just that vindictive, I think. I mean, you're right. She did say that. I don't know how she would because she just took his entire job and all that land and all the profit he stood to make from that or whatever. So, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he wouldn't walk away with no money in his bank account. Still there. He may not get his like big severance package because I doubt that she's going to, you know, see that one through. But I'm sure he's he's just fine. But yeah, that land deal that she was talking Mm -hmm. about with him, with the the buying the land around the the Dutton Ranch, that was supposed to start yielding a lot of money right around now with those like different government easements and things like that, that we were just like, what in the world? (laughs) This is very complex. But that was all supposed to start happening about now. So yeah, he stands to lose an awful lot of money and she stands to gain an awful lot of money. Um, but yeah, how does that affect his current bank statement? Not sure. But yeah, I just yeah. don't think that we've seen the last of Bob or at least what okay. she plans to do to him. We may not see him proper, but I feel there's going to be like <laughs> yeah. a phone call or something where she's like, and yeah, so make sure that we and... transfer all that money out of his account into my account or some other best way to do this. Okay, so the bunkhouse. Yay, my bunkhouse boys. What the heck is up with Lloyd, man? What, so like, this is my question. After all of that that happened with Rip and John, John observing what the dynamic was going on, like, you know, with Rip, what is the end game for Lloyd here? Because it seems that's to be... That's what I'm saying. It seems to be in his court from what I got between the interaction between him and Rip. Like, Rip is, like, you know, chiding him for not acting like a boss, and he'll treat him like one when he acts like it. But yeah. Lloyd is still... He's still, like, pitching a fit. Yes, he's still being a little... Little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. <laughs> but I, I just don't know. So, oh, so we did get the question answered from last episode where, you know, like what happens to a branded man who hits another branded man? Because prior, branded man yeah. got hit, got that man got taken to the train station. So, Lloyd, because he's still of what around. he's done, I, I just, oh, so much about this whole interaction just bristled me so badly. Just because of what Lloyd's done and what he means to you, don't forget that. So like, if you yeah. were like a lower man on the totem pole, if you were, um, I don't know, a Colby, say, who just got branded or a teeter, don't have the yeah. same longevity. That seems to matter. I am just not understanding the bro code here. Like you had a fight, Rip punched you. Like I can it like I don't understand why it's not over. I don't understand why Rip is still like now you go saddle the horses. Now you go And making you know. such a show of it. Yeah, like I don't understand where that's coming from on Rip's side of it and why Lloyd is still being like been out of shape over it. So I don't get it. Like I'm not a dude. What happened? I don't I I'm just worried. Like that- chicks if chicks were doing that Right. <laughs> like still you know, talking bad about you or making it no, I get that. I don't understand why the guys are doing it. <laughs> yeah, like Lloyd like, just needs to like let it go or yeah, him and Walker I, gotta have like a little mediation session with Rip. I'm not exactly sure what that means, like when Rip says, like, you know, you wanna fight, you come fight me. So like does yeah, like, Rip go between I don't I don't know. But I'm just wondering what the end game here is for Lloyd and how long is Rip gonna give him like at what point does Lloyd learn his lesson 
on Rip's standpoint? Like, is he looking right. for something from Lloyd to indicate that he's learned something? Or is Lloyd just supposed to drop it and move on? Because it doesn't seem like he's got a lot of options. Yeah, I feel like he's just supposed to drop it and move on. And that he probably should have just done that. Like, yeah. Like, why are you still pissed? But in Lloyd's defense... He did have a lot of good things happening for him this this episode. He takes a real interest in Carter. Mm-hmm. I liked that. I liked that he was our, like angry at the situation with Rip and then immediately was kind to Carter. Because that's yes. hard to do. Like when you're upset, it's hard to separate those. Yeah, that would be the yeah. next guy in the chain that you could kick. Yes. Because you're feeling down. I really liked that. Lloyd was able to kind of set that aside and be kind to Carter. And there was just this moment that he had with Carter when he's talking about the different types of saddles and who rides mm-hmm. what saddle. And he, he asked in the kindest way possible, can you read? Mm-hmm. Like It caught me in such a weird way. I was like, oh, my God, like that's a very fatherly kind yeah. of a gesture. Right. It's just like I felt like if he said no, that the next thing Lloyd would do would be like, you know, Dick and Jane can you know, yeah. be like fun with Dick and Jane trying to help him read. <laughs> I really liked where Lloyd was coming from here because even though he was in a bad position, he chose not to take it out on the person yeah. who had to take it, really. It can't get worse, can it? Like, they're not going to... They can't take Lloyd away, so he just has to get over it, right? I feel like because it's gone on this long, I feel like it's not done. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's what be, worries me yeah. because... Well, because he's still... The consequences. Yeah, but he's still on this 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 train with Rip that was not an intentional use of the word train. That was a bad word, Sheila. I know. But he's like train of thought. Maybe that's what I should have said. <laughs> that Walker deserves to be the one going to the train station. Like he's still harping on this. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't have a good feeling for Walker. That's all I'm going to say. For Walker or for Lloyd? For Walker. Like, I feel okay. like Lloyd's just going to go off half cocked one day and... Like, there's too many shotguns and there's too many things lying around that, like, you know, somebody can accidentally. And I've seen nothing beyond what we saw tonight. So I don't mm-hmm. know. This is just. Yeah, I haven't seen that. And he's getting more worked up instead, instead of, calm, of, like, yes. calming down. So this is, like, not going to go well for Lloyd. Take a walk, buddy. But, Take like, a walk. Rip is trying to calm him down, saying, like, I don't want, you know, nobody else wants him dead more than I do. So I guess Rip has not let go of the animosity towards walker Mm -hmm. but this notion that the ranch come first and you forgot it i feel like if lloyd takes that in as his mantra that he might get past it but i just don't think so especially after he sees laramie and walker i know camping out by the fire camping out under the stars camping quote unquote (laughs) exactly yeah he's getting all upset again he needs a sweat lodge he needs a little turn in the sweat lodge right to cleanse Mm -hmm. His soul, do a little catharsis. Get you know, over have, Laramie because she's, she's not, not that, that special. She's, she's, <laughs> she's pretty. That. She's pretty, but you know, plenty of other fish it. in the sea. Pretty, plenty of the buckle bunnies at Probably, the rodeo. I guess. Maybe um, not in Lloyd's. I mean, I she, he, he got Laramie. So. He did bag a buckle bunny, so. You know. <laughs> Who's to say that that's not going to happen again? You can maybe exactly. lightning can strike twice. Exactly. Just with the the bunkhouse though, there was this. Anytime Colby and Ryan bicker, I love them. I, I'm turning up the volume. I'm just leaning into it because they just fight like brothers. I still can't deal with Teeter 
I mean, her accent, it's just not... It's so much clearer this season. Either that or... It is really clearer, but it's still bad. Like, it's, it's still... She's like, what the hell are you two talking about? I'm like, yeah, that... I don't, no, no. It's... No. Well, we've established she's not from Texas. No, okay, but Travis still... Travis said that she's from Arkansas. <laughs> don't tell not people good. you're from Texas. <laughs> it's not... I don't know. Anytime now that she opens her mouth, I'm just like, nah. Is that why we don't have teeter talk anymore? Yeah, I'm, it, yeah, we're good. They stopped highlighting her enough for us. Yeah, that. but I don't know what the storyline with her is. I think she's just there for more comic relief than anything else at this yeah. point, which is fine. But I, it's just. But they had know. on the rodeo, right? And they're watching this. And yeah. So Colby is claiming Shad Mayfield as his cousin. Yeah. So I did a lot of research this episode. <laughs> as you do, as Sheila. I do. So Shad Mayfield is the number three tied out roping cowboy in the world. And he comes oh. from a rodeo family. His famous dad is Sylvester Mayfield, a rodeo champion. And his sister Shelby is also a professional barrel racer. It's, uh, he's a legit cowboy. Whether or not he is somehow connected to Yellowstone, <laughs> I don't know that they're claiming lineage Probably now. Probably not. Yeah. Maybe Colby just wants a piece of his earnings because he's earning a t- ton of money in a very yeah. short amount of time i think he's only been active since like 2018 and he already oh, has wow. almost half a million dollars in earnings yeah nice i did a lot of research i told you i'm not done i know wait. i know there's more to be there's had more to be but wait so speaking but wait there's more so speaking of the texas accent when we go to texas with jimmy on the four sixes that is how texan cowboys talk like for real i'm not like that is how they talk that is the country texan accent that i have heard before and can understand every word they said and those are real cowboys not teeter's (laughs) accent teeter no no. No, four sixes yes okay i just want to set it straight that's how some texans talk apparently not quite me but I don't know. So I (laughs) really loved Jimmy in Texas. Okay. Who is he talking to in the first scene that we see? Is that Doc? I'm assuming it's Doc. We cannot, I couldn't find, I couldn't figure it out online. On the screeners that we had, there was print right across the middle of the screen. And Mm -hmm. I feel like the person in the screen that had like who played who that the mm-hmm. screener ran across was this person. I'm assuming it's Doc. So forgive us because we get these things, but we don't get them in the final format that you guys yeah. see it in. Um, so I'm assuming that that's Doc. No, I'm not talking about the final scene. No, no, no. Um, no yeah, I'm either. talking about the first scene. The first was, scene because the guy comes back. They, we didn't again. get his name, and we and I couldn't figure out who the actor was. I think it's an actor, not a cowboy, um, but I'm not sure. I think you're right. But anyways, but um, that's yeah. so this whole scene with Jimmy, I like it on its face. For, so yeah. if it was this, if it was the four sixes show, if it was the standalone, I'd be like, great, I'm so here for this. In the context of Yellowstone, the universe yeah. of Yellowstone large, I'm like, dude, we've got five episodes to go, and I got it's lots still, of it's questions. Starting to feel like a promo, like an like extended to, promo. Yeah, like, they're I, just. I'm, I'm gonna tune in. No yeah. matter what, like oh, I'm for tuning sure. into the four sixes when that debuts next year. But I just feel that it's getting more and more airtime yeah. where at some point we're going to like get these blockbuster episodes. Where we're like, oh, my God, it's going to be an hour and 20 minutes of us talking because there's going to be so much going on. And we're going to be like, it felt too crammed. 
Mm-hmm. So that criticism being there, the the Jimmy scene in the force, I loved this on its face, like for what it yeah. is. Um, yeah. From the centipede crawling on him, and you know, uh-huh. we're going to call this man Doc. We, we're not sure if he's Doc or not. I'm not um, sure, but that's the only other person that we were told. You know, was that the four sixes? The four sixes? Yeah. And just this poetic nature of uh-huh. talking about cowboying and it's it's glorious work that no one sees and art without an audience. And that's what Travis was alluding to with Jimmy. I think on the way down that this has to be about you and the horse and you doing this for the horse. So I feel like that's a really nice reiteration of that lesson. Jimmy's honest. He's like, I don't know. I don't know what. Yeah, he doesn't know. But like he said, Doc or whoever said, if you don't like it and love it and it's not who you are, this is going to be hell. Yeah. So I do feel like, you know, we've talked about last episode how Jimmy was seeing Travis riding the cutting horses and was seemed interested. So, you know, maybe he can find this as a passion, but he's not there yet. No, he's not there no. yet. No. <laughs> um, Steph, were yes. you aware that there were only three gods in Texas? Well, I was aware of the two that were mentioned. I was not aware of Buster Welch, actually. Okay. You were aware that the Almighty and George Strait of were course. up there. Okay, good. For sure. Um, there is no other besides those two. And apparently <laughs> Buster Welch. Nobody doesn't like George. You don't ever come to Texas and talk bad about George Strait. No, I love George Strait. So of course. My Who doesn't? And my father-in-law, even though they were born and raised in Brooklyn, they are huge country music fans. But like old yes. country, like Charlie Pride, George Strait. Yes. Oh my God, who are some of the other? Patsy. Uh, no, not Patsy. Charlie Daniels. Charlie Daniels is another mm-hmm. one. Tanya Tucker. They like Tanya Tucker. Dolly. Dolly. Uh, Waylon Merle Haggard. That's with yeah. Dolly. Yeah. So all of them. So, yeah, I, I got that George Strait was like a big dude, but like Buster Welch, I was like, I had to go do some digging. He is 93. Mm-hmm. He started breaking Colts at 13. So yeah. he's been doing this for like forever, long, like 80 years. I don't know if he's really on horses now, but he definitely has the the lore and the knowledge to share. Um, mm-hmm. He made his name um, cutting horses. He was inducted into the National Cutting Horses Association Members Hall of Fame. He's in the he American- has a long list of accolades. Yeah, so like yeah. if there is an award for rodeo for cutting horses, he for has training, all of them. For, yeah, and he's even in the Texas Cowboy Hall of Fame. I have to check out the Texas Cowboy. Hall oh of Fame. yeah, I'm so interested. Him and his wife, his wife's name was Sheila, they lived and worked on the King Ranch. Yeah. His wife was also into horse cutting competition. and She was a, a, a decent Fair. earner as well. Herself. Yeah. I saw that he also worked on the four sixes for a while. He did. He worked on the four yeah. sixes. He worked on the Cape. So basically all of the big ranches that you could possibly yeah. have in King Texas. King Ranch. He's, yeah. He's ranched on He's like the dude. Yes. And then the cowboy who takes Jimmy out, they have to go 20,000 acres to get to the work. Yes. That's like 30 miles. I was like, good God. And horse can travel a long about, day. Like, about maybe they can do a mile in about 15 minutes because if you're going to be working a horse for that long that they have to go there and come back, you're not going to be, you know, galloping with a horse. So maybe 12 minutes. Yeah. That's going to be almost seven hours. Like at 12 minutes, it's six hours to get there. Like I didn't see anyone pack a lunch. Not lunch. You're right. They didn't put any sunscreen on that poor boy. I didn't see any toilet paper being added to the backpack. <laughs> the logistics that I think about. I'm sorry. But um, so the, the cowboy working with Jimmy, his name is Corey Pounds. He's also from Texas and he's a horse cutter as well. So the intent upon bringing this 
real life cadre of big name horse cutters into this is giving a lot of credence to the fact that Jimmy's going to come out okay. Yeah. So this guy, Corey Pounds, he was trained by Buster Welsh. Um, He's still actively training and... I don't know if he's competing right now, but he's definitely training and he's definitely in in the horse, the horse cutting, like breeding lineage. So, yeah, he says it takes like up to two years to train a horse to be a horse cutting horse. And yeah, so he he's got like two horses that are like the top earners in in the, the, the rodeo arena for horse cutting. It's playing fancy, smart and cats, coyote, jack. Cats, coyote. Yeah, those are the... Um, Those are complicated names. I did a lot of research. But we're not done. We still have one more to go. (laughs) One more what? Oh, person. I thought you were talking about a cowboy. I was like, huh? No. Well, we have one more more Dutton to talk about here. So we saved the best for last. We have Jamie and his bombshell that I knew was coming. I knew it. So let me ask you first before we get to the big bombshell. The meeting with Tyrell Reagan. We learned his name is Tyrell. Tyrell, not Tom or, or Tim. Tim or whatever. I was we thinking said. Tim from Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. That's where I was going yeah. with it. I was like, that's a big Texas connection, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to get your thoughts on like what this meeting did for you. Did it deliver on the hype that the trailer gave it? No, because it wasn't explicitly like played out. You know, you didn't get any of the details. You didn't get what actually happened. But I mean, it's implied. So he has full immunity to tell Jamie what happened. And Jamie is offering him a very sweet deal of transferring this probably very bad dude to a minimum security, a medium level, medium level security prison where right now he's in maximum security. He's in jail for the rest of his life. This is a bad dude, but, you know, Jamie's going full Dutton on him allowing him full immunity so i was trying to think like if you're offering full immunity i'm gonna like you need more than a name right i'm reversing my position a little i'm gonna say that jamie didn't know anything about it like remember i was saying i was like you know he might have been like in the side cahoots but i just from his reaction here and his sternness with the immunity deal and things like that i just i'm like okay he definitely didn't know he was i agree but i'm still stuck on the phone call that he made you know the rip made to him saying i don't think you should call me anymore I just chalk that up to the falling out that he's had with his family, like, like just leave me alone kind of thing. But you're, I mean, in that context, it did seem suspicious, yeah. but it also could just mean like, hey, I'm not really no a part of this threat. crew anymore. So right. I run with a different pack now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you? I wanted a little bit. Did you want some more drama out of that scene? It was just hyped up to be so much of a part of this episode. And it was yeah. it was like it was... under two minutes. It was so... You didn't even see him answer the question. Right. But then we get this cutaway right away. And this is where I actually thought like things were going to go awry real fast. I did too. Okay. So like, I thought for sure. Yes. Can I help you? I just got this real bad feeling that like from due to the camera work and the music like yes. whoever planned like this failed hit on the Duttons was like coming back for revenge or a refund or I don't know um, <laughs> none refund. of them died yeah, like, I thought it was a person. bad situation that he was like walking up to the house yeah. I did too 
It just because you didn't see anything. I suppose that like the camera work. And then the way that Jamie like pulled up and got out of the car, like looked so bewildered. And yeah, like what is going? I thought, oh my God, like who's dead? Like what happened? Like he was seeing something really horrific. Car parked (laughs) in the driveway. Yeah. So I was expecting like bodies or something. And that build up to be like some sort of dramatic situation back at the house. But and not that this wasn't dramatic, but it's not the same thing I was thinking. Well, I mean, what brilliant writing to be able to cut the tension of you ordered this hit on my family and I'm about to tell you that I know. Mm-hmm. And the footsteps clunk, clunk, yeah. clunk. And I, at first I, I was like, what is happening? And then I was like, oh, my God. It's Christina. How cute is the baby? Oh, so cute. I'm really expecting black hair. Like, if you're going to pass this mm. off as Jamie's child. Oh, I guess. I don't know. I thought it was so cute. My mind was reeling here that she's congratulating him on getting all the things that he said he was going to do. He got away from his father. He got the job that he deserves. It just seemed so manipulative or something. Like, I don't know. I hated the way that she said that. Like, oh, look. I mean, I'm kind of like what looking you at her and I'm like, were you in cahoots with Randall? Yes. Like, she, we didn't like her to we, begin with. Because like, now I'm looking at her, I'm like, do you have like psychopath eyes? Because like, you know, I spent a lot of time like <laughs> watching murder documentaries and serial killer things. Like, does she have like a psychopath look to her? And like, yeah, she kind of does. Well, like, how does she find him? How does she know that he did all of those things? Is she like watching him or researching him? And Well, I mean, she's already been in the house now with Garrett Randall for however yeah. long until he got back. So it just opens the door now to how many questions, like, or to so many questions, rather. Like, did she know Garrett Randall somehow? Um, Is she behind oh, yeah. this? Is she, like, the brains behind it? Because she's a smart woman. She's chief of staff on, you know. She just seems so off about something, like, in some way. Yes, there's definitely. You know, like, we didn't like her as his campaign manager. We was like, she's was, like, manipulative of him and just the way she talked to him. And, like, it's like, oh, she's back. Like, I don't know. She's going to use, definitely use this kid to, like, get him to do whatever she wants. I don't know. Like, it just doesn't sit right. And the way she was just talking to him, like, oh, you finally made something of yourself. So now I'm going to let you meet your son. Like just the way she said it was like, or something like that. It was so gross, but it also made me really fearful because this is the thing that Jamie is going to love more than anything in the world. Yeah. So did you see a look on his face? Like he was just like, it made me feel like he was just completely shifted into now he's going to have to focus on the kid right? and he's going to want to do whatever. Yes. To keep that kid in his life. Yes, because like this as is someone who was raised in a family that he was raised in, he's gonna want to do better mm-hmm. for his kid. And the whole Christina angle, it just it worries me. But yeah. at the same time, I'm also remembering something that Beth said way back when yeah. that she's gonna take the thing that he loves the most and kill it. Yep. She still thinks that he's behind it. Yeah. And she's got no other reason to think anything otherwise so if she finds out about it i'm like she's not gonna kill a baby is she no she would not well i feel like Come the introduction I mean, no. of carter is going to it has definitely softened her a lot there's no way she would kill the baby but she would destroy the family or destroy the relationship yeah but there's really no relationship but there's no i know i know but i'm just saying yeah. if like f- further down the road if that's where this was going i yeah. think she would sabotage it for sure Okay, so Christina, 
what made her come back now? Exactly, exactly. So do you think that she had anything to do with any of the stuff that's been going on? I don't see the connection yet, but I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. I don't understand it if she is. Like how and why and for what purpose would she do that? I know that she hated Beth. That was really the only person that she had any interaction with. And she hated John for what he did to him during his campaign and all of the fallout that happened from there. You know, the the be your own man speech that she gave him. And she also knows about the reporter and his role in that. So that could be blackmail as well if you're going to be a psychopath and go down that route. Yeah, I don't see this as any good could this come from her showing Jamie. up. No, this no. is not good news for Jamie at all. She's got too many skeletons of his in her closet to know what's going on. So I don't think that she knew Garrett Randall because when he walked up during that. Yeah, he didn't moment, know he's her. Like, he's like, can I help you? Yeah. So but immediately, like sort of like the, the initial like gut reaction to this was like, oh, my God, she's in cahoots with him. But then I was like, yeah, no, 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 calm, calm yourself. Slow your little girl. But I did kind of go back in this episode because I'm still trying to suss out that Malcolm Beck theory that's been floating mm-hmm. around on Facebook that he might still be alive. And I was looking at Sheriff Donnie, right? Donnie Haskell. Uh-huh. And his behavior towards John tells me that Beck has been neutralized, or at least he's not in a position to have power over Donnie anymore. So it's leading me down the road that Beck is not in the picture. Okay. Because he's back on John's side. He's being cooperative and being on John's side by basically helping out Casey. um, Yeah. Not being the way that he was stonewalling them earlier when he was under the, uh, the boot of the Becks. Yeah. Trying to pay attention to all these different theories and give them all credence and things that come my way and and, and your way through yeah. you know, direct messaging or through the groups that we see a lot of comments on. A lot of comments. There's been a lot of comments on these Facebook yeah. groups. There's the very active groups. Okay. So random question. Yeah. Do, so I'm hearing a lot of Yellowstone chatter just in my real life. Okay. And people who I know are just like, oh, hey, have you seen Yellowstone? Or like talking about like, I guess having zero idea that I do a podcast about Yellowstone. So then is it weird that I'm like, oh, okay, well, I do this. Like, I feel awkward for like, literally it happened a couple hours ago. We were at our cousin's house and he was like, oh, we need to, we need to catch up on Yellowstone. And she's like, yeah, we haven't watched the last season yet or the new season yet. And I'm just like, uh, like, do I say it now? Like, do I say like, oh, by the way, you should be listening to my podcast, your cousin, the yeah. person who's in your family. Yeah, they should. Uh, do you do that? Do you like plug? Like, like literally this conversation is going on around me in different places at different times. And then I'm like, um, excuse me. Also, <laughs> you should be listening to my podcast. Resident Yellowstone expert over yeah. here. Hello. Why do you not know about my podcast we yet? Got, Are we, we not we, friends? We got sponsorship. <laughs> No, booze sent our way. So, are you like plug? Are you like randomly like? Is this conversation coming up for you, like in real life? Yeah, people, so people watching Yellowstone. Yeah, so more so in my online world, like people are like I'm looking for a good show to watch, and then you mm. know I would post something or or I'd see Yellowstone in there. I'm like, you know that I've been covering this for like two years. Yeah, right. Like, hello. Um, yeah, it comes up, and then I'm like, 
And then like, once I said that to this one friend, she's like, oh, yeah, I do see your posts about like yeah, this podcast. So they don't read it. That's they what don't it is. Read it, People right. don't read your posts. And so they just scroll through. They knew so that, like I got something yes. mailed to me as a result of the podcast. And they know that we got some interviews and things like that. Yeah. I'm like, but that's all really recent stuff. Like we went back and covered two whole extra seasons. Yeah. Because like my other cousin's wife was like, I was talking about my job and she's like, oh, where do you work? I said, oh, at that kickboxing gym. She goes, oh, you work there? And I was like, well, yeah. Why are there like 700 pictures of me at a kickboxing gym? Like, I'm not that like, like I work there. She's like, oh, okay. So people, they see your post. They just don't read it. But I do recommend this to a lot of people and they're like, oh, it's just like, you know, like an updated Dallas. I'm like, uh, no. Dallas was like the, the 70s forerunner, but I'm like, this is very updated. It's very nuanced. It's very complex. Not to say that Dallas wasn't, but I feel like there's multi layers to the show that probably didn't exist back then. So somebody asked me today, who's your favorite character? Like if you had to just think about their character in, in a bubble, like by themselves, their complexity or their, you know, personality. I wish you could see my face right now. Like, who is your favorite character? Because I kind of am leaning to Jamie just because he's so hard to understand. Like, he's he's this and he's that and he's up and he's down. He's in and he's out. Like, he's interesting to talk about because he is kind of all over the place. But then I also would be like maybe Beth just because she's such a badass and like she has a lot of like... <laughs> A lot to her character, like, you know, in a vacuum, because in a you, vacuum, who's you your really, favorite character? Because you and I have had this conversation many times. Like, are these good people? Mm, no, like not really. Yeah. Like we were defending Monica a couple episodes back about being like the moral compass and how unsexy a position that is, because these are all morally reprehensible people. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'm liking John for this. Yeah. Because we don't get the whole picture with him. Like he's very guarded. He, and he's like letting walls down little by little. So you like the complexity of him and I how like you're the complexity getting. And mm-hmm. like this episode in particular, the awareness that he has about like the land and like what his role, his ranch's role is in, you know, mm-hmm. destroying the earth. And then being able to quote the solace of open spaces book so readily, there's a lot going on to him that we still haven't learned true the other person in a vacuum would be rip yeah he is a complex character from where he came from like his loyalty is unbending but Mm -hmm. he does have a conscience and he does think before he does things that whole conversation with he called me son so like knowing his place there's a lot to rip to be admired and I'm saying that like as like <laughs> my eyebrow in the air because you can't compare yeah. the same person who's the one who like blew up the medical examiner's yeah. office. To well, I mean, because there's a lot of popularity. Like there, there are popular characters, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's my favorite character. Like right in a vacuum. But so like, it's an I, interesting conversation, yeah. and like you should start asking people that question to yeah. see what they like, say so Beth is really bombastic and she's got mm-hmm. you know like always like this one liner to like slap you in the face but that doesn't really make her my favorite like I enjoy yeah. her messing around with her food before she devours it Casey has a lot of complexity too to him and like we said last episode like I really like the writing that they gave him so far but this episode he kind of fell flat 
in terms of like moving that complexity needle. Yeah. So let's ask one more question before we go. What is Jamie going to do with this information about Garrett Randall next? Is this next episode going to be our explosive showdown between this new father-son duo? Is he going to sit on it to see what happens with Christina and all that? Like where, what's he going to do with it now? Hmm. I'm going to answer this in two parts, I think. <laughs> I I don't think that Jamie's going to get a chance right away to do much with Garrett Randall's information or learning what he did about his father because mm-hmm. I feel like the Christina angle is going to is going to heat up real fast. And I yeah. think that we're going to learn yeah. some things about what she's been doing the last 18 months or so because that baby's a little under a year mm-hmm. and plus a nine month pregnancy right so I don't know if she's going to tip her whole hand but I feel like he's going to be so in shock from this that that Garrett almost takes a little bit of a back burner but I also feel that yeah. somehow John is going to learn John or Beth is going to learn about the Garrett Randall connection and then it's going to just like become Blow out up. of Jamie's hands yeah <laughs> what I was hmm. just looking up before was that it was episode 7 of season 2 when Beth had her run in with the Beck brothers. So we still have a little time to go before we have something as large as that happening. If, uh, yeah. if history okay. is to be anything to be noted, yeah. but yeah, I mean, now we're in the back end of this season. So, you know, the plot lines are really going to start to bubble and simmer over. What is he going to do with Garrett Randall now knowing this? I don't know. Uh, I have no he's idea. killed before. It doesn't. It didn't really seem to bother gonna kill him. his conscience. I don't think he can because I think his father might be someone who's protected. I just can't decide if he's going to turn him over to John Dutton in a in a not a physical sense, but in a Legal? like telling him what happened and let John do retaliate. Some Montana justice. Yeah, but so I, I guess the question I don't know. is: like, Garrett is he Randall, gonna? Yeah, does Garrett Randall end up at the train station? Mm, this is a tough situation for Jamie. He's not really feeling the love from the Duttons, but yet, he's but he still seems doing, very angry about this. So, yes, yeah, but he's still been doing all the things up until this yeah. point to support the Duttons. And the biggest thing for me was that he leased the land instead of selling it outright. Yeah, that he's still so, working with the Duttons. He's still in line with them. Despite, like, I don't think Jamie's going to physically do anything to Garrett Randall. No, I don't think so either. But I think he's going to... I think once Rip finds out, that's the end for him. Yeah, something's going to... Yeah, something's oh going to give. But um, okay. I don't know what's going to really happen the next episode. I feel like more stuff with Monica and Tate because there just hasn't been enough mm-hmm. there. If I if I have to you know, look into my crystal ball. Um, <laughs> I feel like John and Summer, there's going to be a little bit more with them. I feel like yeah. Monica and Tate, there's going to be some further delving into if she's okay with how this is going and yeah there's going to be the whole christina fallout yeah that's I enough for I one should, episode i think i want to call her evil Extina. i don't know she had like this dead shark eye look to me she did look like really like vicious or something yeah. yes Okay, I cannot wait to find out. Okay, this is a supersized episode. I am I so know. sorry. We talked and talked and talked. But, um, but you love us and we're fun. We are fun and we we take this very seriously, as you can I tell. I know, right? Uh, we spend a lot of time texting each other about our Yellowstone like, have you commentary. It? And what do you think? And it, yeah so did um, you see this video thank you so much for listening as always we appreciate it thanks so much we'll see you again next week this is sheila this is steph bye thank you for listening this has been an original pod clubhouse production
Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.